0: and welcome back listeners to the 90 or nothing podcast show episode number nine today's episode yep you guessed it another big episode kylie earlier this week caught up with john davis from john davis saddlery i'm sure many of you have heard of him before John's an excellent man and tells a great story. He's 83 years old and he took the time out of his day from making saddles to talk to Kylie and shared with us a bit about his story. John's just a lovely bloke and we really thank him for sitting down with us. But before that, it's coming up to a busy time of the year. Everyone's getting ready for Christmas already, I suppose, but it's, and it's only November. But more importantly, we've got a few big events coming up the Dolby Stock Horse sale starts on the 29th of November and goes through to the 1st of December. So make sure you jump on their website and look through the catalog. Who knows, you might find your next champion. Also, the NCHA Futurity in America is only a few days away from starting. It actually starts on Thursday. So be sure to jump on Cutting Horse Central and have a look on there to watch the live stream, get up early of a morning. There's a few Australian riders going over that'll pick up catch rides and I think actually there might be a few Australian people that own horses over there that have it in training. So good luck to everyone with that and yeah, make sure you watch for that. As always guys, there is Camp Drafting and Cutting G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling here at the 90 or Nothing podcast studio and it is all made possible by our great friends and sponsors Camp Draft Training Online and Select Size. Select Size is a site dedicated to the promotion and celebration of stallions and people involved in the camp draft, cutting and challenge disciplines, the media home for some of Australia's best. View their full profiles and let Select Size help you make those all-important breeding decisions based on the facts. To keep your finger on the pulse, visit www.selectsize.com
1: good morning listeners we are here today at the 90 or nothing podcast i'm here today at john davis saddle shop in townworth so we have the master saddler of the stockman's Throne, john davis thank you for coming and um welcoming in into your store today and um we would just love to talk to you today a little bit about your life and your story and how you got into making saddles and and um, the journey along the way. So thanks for coming along and and um, yeah, just let everyone know a little bit about your story, where you were born.
2: All eighty, <laughs> almost eighty three years of it. Third of <laughs> February, it's eighty three years. And thank you for having me on here. My
1: pleasure. It's my really pleasure
2: excited. on being on here. Yeah. I've yeah. done yeah. a little bit of this before. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I know that
1: you've um, had a little bit of PA experience yeah. along the way, but we'll. Um, We'll get to yeah. all your, your music career and all that part along the way. But um
2: I've never been shy. I've been a front man for a for bands. Yeah. For years and years and years. So well, I actually
1: didn't know about that. So didn't that was I? already yeah. something that I've um, yeah. found out already. So um yeah, so uh where where did you originally grow up? Where was home for you when you were young?
2: Home was ah. Uh, I've got to think. I was born in Grafton, very short time there. Yep. Uh, went to Wean Station, Boggabry, where my father was head stockman.
1: Out near where they hold the Wean races, that area? That's it.
2: Yep. And my uncle actually built that race course and the, the wool shed there for them. Okay. They got him, he was a great builder, and they got him there to build the sheds, Olkers yep. did. And... Uh, there was a bit of a race track there, and they said it's pretty dilapidated. Could you fix it? And he built that whole thing. So, anyhow, so uh, and I was going to a, a, a little school there, we were in School, with quite a few other people in that area, but they closed it down, so there was no school. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to the convent in Bogabaraya. Oh. 18 months, I suppose, a couple of years and um, Dad had to pick up a mob of cattle, pack horse, at Glen Ennis. So that was then, I was eight.
1: So you went on the road, did you? Yeah,
2: and I I said to him, uh, I've told the story before, Dad always had good ethics with paying people. You pay good money, you get good men. Yeah. So if the agent rings up, and he wants you to pick up a mob of bullocks at Boatman or somewhere in the Queensland, they don't have to wait to get the men. He's got them. He pays them whether they're working or not, so they're on hand. Yes. And they were good men. They're part of our family. So I said to Dad, how much will I get?
1: As an eight-year-old.
2: And he said, well, I pay above the award five pounds a week and the three T's, which are Tucker... Tobacco and tax.
1: All right.
2: So that's what I got. So. <laughs> and it was good. Oh, terrific money. If you were on a job for a couple of months or more, my uh, mother used to give us an uh, exercise book and you'd mark off the weeks and that and the money you'd get. And then with uh, if you're going through a town and you want a new pair of jeans or a hat or a whip, She'd pay for it and deduct it off your wages. That was her way of doing it. Yeah, okay, yeah. So that's what we did. And so uh, I'll just get back to where I was with this mob. Yeah. With a pack horse before we built the caravan. I went with my mother. She came. So Rangaroy, you know where that is down here, Vanilla. Out of Manila. Yep. yeah. Yeah, we come through road. there yep. and through the cutting. And it was a Sunday morning. And Dad said, "We've got the cattle strung along in the dust, and there's a dust coming and a car coming." And Dad said, "Count it down to the leader of those cattle and tell them bloody people in the car just to steady up." Yep. So I did. I counted down there, and I looked rough. I had an haircut for about two months. <laughs> Little kid on this big horse. I didn't have ponies, mate. Yeah. So and it's. My teacher and oh. her uh, nun friends out for a Sunday drive. <laughs> so I felt yeah. very embarrassed. <laughs> her sister Gerard, her name, she was a lovely girl. <laughs> oh, I love Sister Gerard. Everyone did. So, and, our, and she pulled up and she said, Well, if it isn't Harry Dale the drover, and now we know where he are. Now I don't know well, if you're familiar with that poem, Harry Dale the Drover. No, I
1: don't. And it's we really
2: don't either. know where Banjo Patterson. Oh, okay, right, yeah. Well, if it isn't Harry Dale the and we don't know where he are. Yeah. It goes. But now we know where he are. Yeah. She said, "I'll see you when you get back at school." Yeah. Right, my right. sister used to go to school all the time, and my mother used to give her a note For every you week. No, I was sick, she said. Oh, you were sick. I was <laughs> supposed to be terribly sick. <laughs> and no one knew where I was. So when I got back there, she said, look, obviously you're never going to amount much academically. You like what you're doing. I said, I'm getting five quid a week. <laughs> so she said, well, you'll be good at what you do. Yep. So I rode in the saddle, and there's a photo of me in the big saddle. Dad used to put me on everything and everything because yep. he could ride, I yeah, mean right. to say, rode to man. Thorpe McConville
1: okay. yep. with Hilton McTaggart, yep. all those blokes. Yeah, right.
2: Uh, so he was quite a good horseman himself, oh, my father. Oh, brilliant. Yep. Long way better than ever I was. But yeah, right. Brilliant. He said, you'll ride. So oh, I said, the saddle's too big. He said, I will roll the oil skin up, put me on. That'll put you up underneath the pad, son. So, oh, and he put me on a few wild horses first, fair diggum it, yeah. I said to him, we ride along one day, I said, oh, I don't like these bloody great big boat saddles, Dad. I said, if ever I uh, have the opportunity, because I used to read a lot of poetry too. Okay. Will Ogilvy was another guy. He was an uh, Englishman, but he was an Australian, yep. of course. And he wrote a, a book, and you can still get it, A Saddle for a Throne. Okay. Will Ogilby is yep. the name of the guy, yep. and a friend of mine, who's a barrister, actually gave me a copy of that on my 80th birthday. Oh, wow! <laughs> saddle yeah. for a throne.
1: So that—that that obviously the throne part's what's—that's where it came
2: from. A yourself. saddle for a throne, and I thought, I'm riding along, I thought saddle for a throne. Now, a saddle is a stockman's throne, yes, because he rides in it; at his home. Yeah, that saddle. And, yeah. it's all, and I'm only a kid. So, I,
1: as an eight year old on the road, you decided yeah. you needed a throne. I needed a throne.
2: <laughs> so, as time goes on, and like I worked up till I was uh, uh, 12, 13, I think, I got. I was working with dad and, and bringing cattle down. We used to bring big mobs of cattle down out of Boatman and all them places. Sometimes truck at Mungandai, sometimes we'd bring them to Yeah. Yep. But this particular time, we were taking them to Gundawindi, mm-hmm. And uh, I could always plat and sew, because my father could. Okay. A lot of those old drovers, that's what they did. They yeah. had to. They had to, yeah. Well, now the finish that we do now, but they were yep. practical. Yeah. So I got a job with Ray Pope there. I tried to get on with Mr Saddley, Yep. Alf Sadley and Maury, who was brilliant. Like, they... Only had master saddle makers there. Okay. So Ray was a good fellow, but not really a saddle maker. He was a saddler. Okay. Big difference. Big difference. Yeah. He and old R.M. grew up together. R.M. Williams. Yeah. Yep. And they worked on places that are in the territory and Baduri and all those places, like yeah. Nash. And, and they were about the same. They were not saddlers. Yep. So anyhow, they, uh, uh, he died. He died, see. Oh, so yeah, this is who he's, he was trying to learn from. Yeah, yeah, and his wife, a lovely person. They didn't have any kids and uh, I got along really good with them yep. and she dead set wanted me to take the business over. Okay, yep. And they had a big shop. They sold R.M. Williams clothes and everything. Big business. Yep. Saddles. Not that they made, but I was just going to be the repair end. And yep. she said, look, I've got no one. We get along good. She was a great cook too, I've got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> she went bloody fantastic. Yep. So, uh, so but anyhow, I declined. Okay. Her offer. Because yep. it was mine, she said, that's yours. Yep. So I rang up Mr Saddler and Maury and told him the story. I'd tried to get on before, but... Buck Timmins was the apprentice there. Noel, his name was, but they called him Buck. Yes. So, Buck was a good bloke, but drunk too much plonk yep. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and some bad friends, but anyhow. <coughs> sure, you had some good ones. Too. He's and I'd try to get on there, yep. but he wouldn't wouldn't have it. So, and I digress a little bit here. A good friend of mine. Somewhere his father is. Here. Oh, anyhow, Lloyd Bates and I were the same age because his father was a drover. Right. My father's a drover. So Mel and all those blokes were good friends. Yeah.
1: So this is not the Bates Bates Saddles. No, so no, saddles no, 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 no. Totally
2: Bates Saddles come Bates, from yeah. from Perth. Okay. Right. I don't. To my knowledge, I don't think they were horsemen. Yeah. Right. So yeah. they specialised yeah. in chase. saddles. So anyhow. They, uh, So I went down there, and he put me on, but Buck was still there at the time. Yeah. But he was, as Al said, he's on his way out. He used to turn up for work Tuesday. Yeah, right. Sometimes yeah. Wednesday.
1: Yeah, when he pleased. <laughs>
2: so, so anyhow, I'd been there about three weeks, and Buck was there. And he walked in this day, Wednesday, lunchtime, for for Monday work, it? Yeah, and I'll never forget, we all looked up, there was four or five of us working there, like a foreman, a head a repair hand, Normie Moore and, and a few others, there. and me, I'm the apprentice.
1: Yeah, so, and how old roughly were you about at this time? Oh, 14,
2: 15. Okay, still really young. Yeah, yeah 14 yeah. or 15, so I know how much I was getting. <laughs> More than Dad on the road
1: at eight? Less.
2: Less. So, and he walked in and he said, come here, Buck, I want to talk to you. Oh, boss, he said. He jumped the gun. And he said, oh, boss, look, by the way, I just came in to resign. He knew he was getting...
1: Oh, he was getting out.
2: (laughs) So he walked up to me and he picked up one of these Raybone rulers, which I have put away. And in... The ruler he had burnt, NT, Noel Timmins. Uh, which was his name. Yep. NT. So uh, and he said, Here, uh, Johnny. There's my tools. That's all he owned. Yeah, right. Yep. Everything else belonged to the boss. Sir. He only owned the ruler. <laughs>
1: right.
2: <laughs> and I said, How are you gonna get on, Buck? You know? Mate, he said, I'm a millionaire. And I said, yeah, how would he work, that?" And he said, well, I've got a million friends and I can borrow a quid off every one. I'll never forget that.
1: Fair enough. And how did he end up? Not a millionaire.
2: I'll tell you how he ended up. He used to do silly things. Right. Like he had this thirty-eight pistol and he made this quick draw holster. This is what when he was working with us.
0: Yeah.
2: And he was down the pub the Criterion and he was in the saloon bar practising the quick draw with this pistol. Yeah, right. Because he had a spring loaded. Yep. It was great. Now the police come and they wouldn't have taken him except it was loaded. The I gun was loaded. <laughs> so he rings up, uh, the police rings up Alf to come and bail him out. So the boss said, <laughs> leave him there. <laughs> because he'd done the dirty on... The boss, years before, he was a really good bronc rider. Really, he could have been anything. Yeah. So when he was still working there, he wanted to go and ride and he was picked to ride at Sydney Royal Show for the rough riding. Had no money. So the boss gave him a new pair of spurs, paid his train fare down and booked him into that hotel that as you walk down Eddie Avenue, I forget the name of it, yeah. the board. It was there and paid his nominations to ride and give him spending money.
1: Yeah.
2: That's as far as he got.
1: All oh, right. Didn't get to the competition?
2: No. <laughs> what happened? He goes into the pub, drank the money, run out of money, so he sold the spurs, got <laughs> <get> the money. <laughs> then he rings up the boss for money to get back. Um, so, that's anyway, Buck. That was down well. So, anyway. anyway so but then no, were, he got hurt. Sorry. He, yeah. he did get hurt at Gamble Alley. Horse bucked over on him and broke his back. Oh, uh, righto. They had rodeos for him and raised a lot of money, sent him to Sydney to have a big operation. One of his so-called best friends, he had all this money. They made foolishly gave him the cash. Yeah, okay. This good mate of his... Turned up in Sydney and said, what are you doing in here? You know, he said, i got to have this operation. Uh, and he took a bottle of rum in. They both got on the rum and he said, you don't want to be in here. Get your money and we'll go. And that's what they did. Oh, geez. So n- nobody was really good friends with Buck after that, unfortunately. Yeah. And the last time I saw him, he was propped up in the corner of uh, hotel, uh, Jack Macallan's hotel in Moree, in a corner, and he had a drain on him yeah, right, into a, a jar strapped to his ankle. Oh. But he had no function or oh, anything like sad, that. Oh, that's sad, isn't it? So he, the, they want up putting him in in uh, Mungandai Hospital, Aged Care, yeah. and cholera Abroadway, and nobody would have him, you know, in yeah. the end. He wound up dying there, but he wasn't real old, didn't he? Yeah, well,
1: that's sad, isn't it? Well, um, so there you go. Yeah, right. So no, that, that's where I was. That's where you were, back there, yeah, okay. And I
2: got married there.
1: With Daphne. And Daphne and So Maury. Daphne was around Moree, she was a Moree lady. Yeah, yep. originally
2: she comes from, uh, originally she come from Isisford, Isisford near Longreach. Oh, okay. Her yep. people were uh, into shearing and wool presses and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But then they moved to Rockhampton and a and, uh, mother and father broke up and divorced and they were only very little. So they moved to Moree and I... Uh, ..and as the girls did those days, they all left school at 15 and where did they go? They'd become nurses. Yeah. So think? Daphne
1: was a nurse.
2: Yeah, she was a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I used to see her at the dances and oh, I must say I was pretty flash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You so, uh, all the moves. And yeah.
1: So, um, so you're still, you've married Daphne and you're still at Moree. Yeah, and had one
2: child, John. And,
1: and you had John. And then um, when, when did the music take
2: part? Oh, the music life? was there. And
1: the music was there as was well.
2: Al- the music was always there. My father used to have old-time bands. His yep. mother had old-time bands. He had four sisters that could all play, concertinas harmonicas, sing, everything. I could always do that.
1: And you were a singer in your band, which was called the John Davis Four. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And the reason
2: why is because they could find my name, John Davis, under D in the phone book. Yeah. To get bookings. There was a lot of uh, bands here at the time, like The Set and... Oh, and good mates, Bernie Foster and Gunner. His was the Zods, but they couldn't find the Zods. Yeah, and it's
1: not really a common no. name to find. And, and
2: they all had these names. and. So there was oh.
1: obviously yourself and four or four altogether? Three others. Yeah, three others. But at
2: times I had five or six in it. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> so it was John Davis and the John Davis. I had some good musicians around yeah. me. I was never a great singer, I don't think guitar player, I got by, I played some pretty nice chords, always had good gear, but the key to it is like a football team, have a good group of people that weren't one better than the other, it's like a team of horses, if you've got one that'll pull and go good and the others are just slugging along, you haven't got a good team. I had a good team and they all got along good and I'd like to think I was a good manager, and did the right thing, made sure we turned up right. Didn't chase any women at the time. Yep. None that I saw in here. <laughs> <laughs> what the other blokes did, no. But we, we always behave well. Yeah, okay. Turned up in the right gear at the right time.
1: And you sung around
2: the town Townworth area, oh, did you? Yeah, or b and were... right, right from uh, uh, down past Dubbo, Mungandai, Tenderfield, the BNS run. Yep. And also that the Town of the Town Hall, Friday night there was a ball. Yep. Every and a dance on the Saturday night. And recoveries after the BNS balls, like at Armadale, Walker, they were always a recovery for yep. rugby union. Yep. So and I played for the uh, the YACP, Young Australian Country Party. Okay. They used to have a lot of stuff going on.
1: And so was your sort of music was it more country or anything? No,
2: no. Or? It was because my father was into dance music, and it's what we'd call just standard ballads. Just good songs, you know? Yeah. Good old songs that you could dance to. Consequently, during the time that I started the band and I came to more uh, to Tamworth, sorry, uh, we have the Beatles, the Stones, the Monkeys, so we slip straight into that. You're
1: right up in that calibre.
2: So, but where we got the gigs is yep. because we not only could please the young people with the modern stuff, yep. we could also please the older people yep. that like to dance. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I got this bright idea that we'd get two sets of clothes. And I put the bikes on the plane, went to Sydney to the inn shop. That was when all the hippie gear was around. Oh, you could buy the flares and the Paisley shirts and all that stuff. So we got a full set of clothes like that and suits. Dinner suits or striped suits.
1: To please both
2: of you. Yeah. So I figured if if you're doing a ball, we did one at Burren Junction, the matron's ball. So... And we played really good music, dance music. You know, we could do uh, quickstep, foxtrot, jazz waltz, barn dance, yep. pride of Aaron, yep. gypsy tap, all that stuff. They loved it. So, and not too loud, so you'd be very careful. Yep. Don't blast them away. So we played, and, and we'd play till about, up us 10, 11. Then we'd go off stage, change the gear, into this modern stuff yep. and come out and then bang and I just yep. hit them. And then I remember this, <laughs> old, this <laughs> old guy come up and he said, what happened to that other band? He said, Jesus, this is too loud, this band. Yeah, right. And I said, now look, I said, this is my opinion for what it's worth. You've had two or three good hours of dancing. Oh, it was fantastic. I said, these young people need to have this is the same band. Oh Deezy said so. Did. <laughs> now if you can't join in and enjoy their stuff, they've enjoyed yours, you should be home in bed to sleep. <laughs> and he said, oh no, I'm right <laughs> he livened up, didn't And he, he did. He stayed. yeah so but they and I did that a lot in different places and they thought that was a great idea. Yeah. two bands you know yeah. two different sorts of music yeah. At the time, nobody could do that. No, you do that. Yeah. And also with uh, the Edgeroy urge at Edgeroy was a huge thing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they held the record for how many cases of rum and how many yeah how many kegs of beer. Yeah. Right. And like it was nothing. There could be 1,200, 1,500 people there. And that have you ever been in that little hall out there? Oh,
1: I've been past it, Edgeroy. There's not a whole the, lot. That's really the Edgeroy the whole, urge. It yeah. was a big
2: thing. Yeah. So it became that. Big, and we made it that big, I'd like to think, with our band. We could pace it. We'd start, about nine o'clock, and we would be still there at eight o'clock in the morning playing. And how you do that, it's like a chess game. You don't play full on all the time because you knock up.
1: Yeah, right. The
2: people knock up. So, interspersed with the rock and rolly, put a couple of nice slow songs in, Moon, River, and... (laughs) Ebb Tide, all yep. these really nice, yep. and it did settle them down and yep. give the band a break. Yeah, So the heart rate. they thought that was great. Yep. So the <coughs> secretary rang me. She said, look, the urge is on again, but unfortunately we're going to try a new band. Yeah. I said, oh, right. Eh? There's a university band called the Rubber Band. I said, right. Eh? They said they're really, and I'd seen them on TV. They're really good. Yep. Really good. But the next day I rang her and said, out they go. She said, well, they didn't last long. Half past one in the morning, they all knocked up. Yeah, right. And so did we. Yeah. So they didn't sort didn't of. Didn't last so long. Time. No.
1: So um, obviously you had quite an enjoy. It was very you passionate about your music and. Oh, um,
2: it was of, great, yeah. And I was working as a foreman for Mrs. Hiscock. The, as in Hiscock
1: salary. Hiscock's salary? Yep. Hiscock,
2: Darrell's mother. Yeah. At the time. So I was there and. I had one bloke come that I knew and, and he showed a lot of promise, uh, Warren Newcomb. Okay. And so. Mrs Hiscock said, no, don't put him on. I know him from the Pony Club. Oh, no, he's a cheeky little bugger. Yeah, right. I said, he'd be right, I'll keep him under control. So Warren lived at Wears Creek yep. with his parents. And they used to have him out half past four in the morning cutting wood and feeding pigs. And he'd come to work and he was that tired. Yeah, right. Poor bug. And they have to drive up. So I said, this is the idea. <clears throat> you come and stay with me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday night you can go home. He said, that's a good idea. So he did. And I was teaching him at home.
1: And you're, this is in Tamworth. In Tamworth.
2: Tamworth. Yep. In Tamworth, Yeah. In Upper Street, so, uh, and I got along good with Warren, but uh, he was very, uh, I don't know, a bit casual about wanting, as a lot of people are. They want to get on, they want to make money,
1: yeah.
2: not saddles. Yep. As R.M. Williams said to me years ago when he came to get a saddle, I said, but do you make saddles? No, 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 no. He said, I don't make saddles, I make money. You make saddles," he said. "I've an extensive investigation throughout Australia. Standing in front of me, yeah, <laughs> as to who makes the best saddles." And he said, "I hope I'm standing in front of him, yeah, because you're the best there is." And I thought, "Oh, well, I'm not about that." now. he said, "I know. Don't worry about that." So he, he proceeded to give me a lecture on business. What he was is a brilliant marketer. Yeah. How many saddles you got to make? I said, I'm eight years behind. And eight I what Eight years. Yeah, right. So how many do you make? A year, I said, Well, if I work twelve, fourteen hours a day, seven days a week, I could probably get to about twenty two or three. This is putting the effort in, see, to yep. make it right. Which Warren didn't agree with. Yeah. So Mrs. got put him off.
1: Mm. Did, and he went on, is that Newcomb's saddle? He went on and...
2: He went on and he said, yep. what am I going to do? You should leave too. I said, well, i got a family, mate.
1: Yeah. So... At this point you had Daphne as your wife and then you had how many children?
2: Glenn, uh, John and Glenn. John and Glenn. And then later on I had Joel, yep. who yep. turned 50 yesterday too, yeah, by right. the way. So anyhow, Warren, I advised him to go to a, a town that is used to having a really good saddle maker, which was Bob Thurlow who learnt of Frank Thrift in The Hunter. Now, Frank Thrift was a really good saddle maker, really good, who taught Bob Thurlow and uh, what's the other bloke? I forget his name. He he used to be foreman at Davidson Smith. So lots of good people learnt off him. But, uh, you know, in my lifetime, I've met uh, and enjoyed the company of really good craftsmen. Yep. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen today because there's not the people to teach yep. that have got that experience that I've had yep. to be a master saddle maker, which, by the way, in case people don't know, a master saddle maker doesn't go like they do in mm. Queensland and get a, sit down and get a test and they write down.
1: What a theory test. Yeah, and then right. they give them
2: things to say, I'm a master, see? I know half a dozen people that will remain unnamed yeah. that are high profile, that's how they got their master. Yeah. So, But anyhow, I trained for five years to be a, a, a tradesman, then another two years as a journeyman to be a master.
0: Hey guys, we hope you're enjoying this interview, but just a quick word from our major sponsor Camp Draft Training Online. Are you guys sick of sitting on the fence and watching the finals and just wishing you were in there? Well, be sure to head over to www.teamcto.com.au and check out all the latest tips and hints from some of Australia's top Camp Draft trainers and competitors. These guys will make the difference.
1: Just with your journey going along, obviously from when you were eight years old in your dad's big old saddle that had the riser yeah, bone yeah. sort of rolled up to try and fit you in it and all the rest, and then um, yeah. sort of your experiences through your life just created this big passion for you to be oh, a master. Saddleman. Always
2: been passionate.
1: So your first actual um, stockman's throne, because for those um, most of the camp drafters in, uh, we'll all know what a John Davis stockman's throne mm. is. It's it's become a nearly a designer luxury item to have, you know, yeah. when people have a Davis saddle, they're always very proud of it. And, and um, yeah, so... And
2: I, I feel very honoured that there's so many guys trying to copy that. Yes. And by copy, I mean using the same style of pattern that yeah. I use with the three studs on it and the same sewing. And, yeah. And that's okay, I suppose, but...
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I... I
2: they're not the no same. No one, <laughs> no one can
1: beat a Davis um, saddle. I think that's it's yeah. just they're out on their leg. When, what was your first saddle? Where obviously you went out on your own hmm. after being at Morey. Um or well, that was made at Moree was it? Your first
2: Yes yeah, saddle. At Morey, yeah. So
1: your very first saddle started.
2: First trophy saddle that I you've ever made that you've was been for Bates, Lloyd because, Bates because Lloyd wanted to work with me. He wanted to be a saddle maker. Yeah, so I forgot to tell you that. And I asked Elf Sadler, what about my mate Lloyd? He wants to be a settlement. No, he said, and I'll never forget this, he said, John, he said, two pups and no dog. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, if you've got two young fellas, yep. neither of them are going to be okay. any good. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're playing with one another. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. so I t- went back and I told Lloyd, and he said, well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. He said, you will be the saddle maker. I will win the Australian Championship. And he could ride too, but he was only a kid. Yep. <laughs> and you will make the saddle. And that is exactly what happened in 1966.
1: You may, after you made your first one, obviously you sort of thought, well... These saddles are good. I've got something going here. Yeah. Is that when you just went? You started making them for? Did you take them for orders, or you just started making a few and put them out? Or how did you? What process? Did well, they
2: call me a bespoke saddle maker. Now I don't know whether you're familiar with that. It's an old English term where you only the bespoke tailors, shoemakers, saddle makers only make a saddle or something that's they've been referred to so terry hall or yep. your mum or yep. your grandfather
1: yep.
2: would come and say hey there's a bloke that likes that saddle yeah okay. so they get recommended recommended, to recommended.
1: okay and then you would make a saddle for that yeah. person rather than making like, saddles and people. like that yeah. bloke
2: i think you know ben tap yeah i got recommended he got recommended to me by terry hall
1: yeah yeah, well, and saying that when you um you obviously got quite a few people on board um early that were very competitive within the campground oh, world, yeah. like such as I don't know Terry and Chrissy Hall and Ben and Jay Bob
2: all, Bob, Palmer. Bob Palmer and um, Arthur Baird
1: yeah so they were all very um and still are par- Bob obviously passed yeah. away just recently in the last few years but um. Terry and Chrissy and Jay and Jane and all the crew yeah. there, they still all ride in a Davis saddle. So, yeah. was that something um, that do you think putting people, those type of profile peoples in your saddles helped or did you just take the saddles... Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, saddles, I
2: yep. I feel so honoured that people like Chris and Terry, who are my mates loyal customers and friends, yep. yeah. Yeah. Now, they've they done a huge lift for for me yeah because we spoke the same language Terry's father was a good good friend of my father yep. Artie. Yep. Uh, and his brother yep. older brother boy Hall was my father's best friend at we will yep. so but about this time I got this idea that I'd like to have John Davis and sons yes because I had three sons yep. and they showed interest yeah and John did his trade here, uh, but went on to bigger and better things. Okay. He did want to expand our whole process. He, he's an ideas man, and it would have worked. But, uh, like big factories. Okay. Like having yep. a couple hundred people working for you. Okay. That sort of wasn't my go. Yeah,
1: you're quite personable with saddles. Yeah, and, and, but he didn't see that. He, he's...
2: Of a money man, but that that's his opinion. And he's entitled to it. Yes. So then Joel, the youngest bloke, he's got the gift of the gab too, and, and a musician. Right, yeah. And uh, he started here too with us. And then of course Glenn. And yeah,
1: Glenn's who's, here he's in the shop next door. People might be able to yeah. hear him in the background. But
2: Glenn uh, I've always been happy that Glenn showed uh, the patience. Yes. That's required to do this. Mm. The other blokes uh, lacked a little bit of patience for the money. Yeah, right. That's yeah. never been my go. Yeah. Never.
1: I'm sure he loves you all the same. Yeah. <laughs> loves you all the same, but.
2: <laughs> you know, I. don't. I will never be here. as my father said. He never wanted to be the richest man. In yeah. the cemetery, he wanted to be known as a good horseman. Okay. So that's what I got that off. And you—that's that. what you
1: want to be known as a good, uh, a good as a master saddle, maker.
2: saddle maker. Yeah. Saddle maker. Yeah. yeah the, the money's. Yeah. The money's yeah. handy, I suppose, but makes makes things go real. Look, I've done all right.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: But. Uh,
1: but then, obviously, here in the store, um, he's more into making the fender type saddles, isn't he? Or does he also make the thrones?
2: He does make the thrones.
1: Okay. Yep. Yeah.
2: And. He was, I taught him to make them right from the start. Yeah. That's why I built this bench. Okay. See, I'm opposite. Yeah. So I can see what he's doing without getting up, like I was taught at a bench along a wall, so my foreman would have to get up and see what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's no good, see. But I can see opposite. This bench was clear then. Yeah. With all this rubbish on it. <laughs> so, no, Glenn. Glenn was very uh, passionate about doing the right thing. Yes. That's the big thing. Yeah. Now that's something Warren Newcombe was lacked. Lacked a little, yeah. Yeah. He just was putting his ideas into it that didn't work, a lot of them, in my opinion. Yeah. A lot of people bought them, but, uh, you know, they were sort of, there's a lot of people making saddles now, Yeah. as as I've always said. They make them for the eye
1: Yeah.
2: and the wallet. If yeah. it looks pretty and it's shiny, yeah. it's good. Okay, but not necessarily for But, but I like to make something, and Glenn's taken this over, this idea, uh, a good strong saddle that you're going to ride in and it's going to last a long time. Yeah.
1: Well, I must admit... Um we have a few Davis saddles with our, our family. You made one for my grandfather who um, he had a bit of a walky knee and had to get on the wrong side, and he needed a he, a, <laughs> he needed a few adjustments with the pads and different things. and And Mum had one that she when she first left school, and and we still have all those saddles sitting in the shed. And you, if you polish them up, yeah. they look as as new as yeah,
2: yeah as they could be. They
1: are very long lasting, good quality. Yeah.
2: Saddles and yeah. made rough out, see, yeah, right. Yeah, so the older the leather gets, if it's rough out, the better it looks, yeah, okay, it doesn't show up scratches or no,
1: yeah. And they would have had, they would, would have had a bit of tough love along oh,
2: the way, made the working. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've just done Chrissy Hall's up, uh, Chris, sorry, uh, Janie's, yeah, that I made when she was 16.
1: Oh, right, yeah. Yep. Now, what's
2: she now? She's... Oh, something I'm sure like she's that. 21, aren't you, Jane? Yeah. <laughs> she's not 16 foot over. she got a couple of nice little kids yeah. and a nice husband, Cameron. Yeah. And uh, I did that up by putting a new seat in it and researched the whole thing. And it's as good as the day I made it. Yeah. So it cost a bit to do it up, but, yeah.
1: but a, but for the time a lot
2: less it, than yeah, the new 31.
1: one. So um, a David saddle is it is um an expensive saddle to Absolutely. get one. So what would be if someone was looking at buying a new saddle? What would they what would they be looking at to buy one and t- wait time? Like if they wanted to contact you,
2: where, where would they? Well, what would they be looking at. I've had them on twelve thousand. Yeah. For about four years, the start of the drought, yep. but <coughs> the price of the leather is just going yeah. gone up enormously since then. But with the way the drought is, the economy, Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm happy to work for less per hour, and people say, how long does it take to make a saddle? I've always said it takes as long as it takes. Now, when I was a lot younger and could apply myself at the bench and maintain a certain speed with the hand sewing and stay at it and make sure the stitches were right every time. But I can't do that now. Okay. I can work for say half an hour, an hour, yeah. and if I see the stitches not quite right, I stop. Take a break. Yeah. I'll take a break and I'll do something else on the saddle that's yeah. relevant, start up again, I'm a bit fresher. Yeah. So make sure it's right. People are paying a lot of money. Yeah. I want them to have the best. Yeah. Now.
1: Well, they are a, um, a luxury item to absolutely. have. And it's something that um, once you've got one, you'll you most likely have it for a lifetime. Yeah. So um, it's... Um, and it's
2: only when you get to eighty three that you realise this. Yeah. People bring saddles in that... Uh, I said, well, I didn't make that for you. No, you made it for my grandfather. Yeah, right. Stuff like that. And yeah. the saddle could be 55 years old. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: And it still doesn't look too bad. Yeah, and
1: it would have a lot of stories to tell, which would be interesting, wouldn't it? Katrina
2: Simpson, <laughs> now from Morderville Station down here, was 15. Yeah, right. She walked through this door here a few weeks ago with a dressage saddle I made for her. And it's got D's on it. And fa- I took a photo of her saying, she said, no, I'm Katrina. And I said, well, I recognise the saddle. She said, yeah, remember my father said, put these on it because she's going to be riding around the paddock dagging sheep in this saddle. Oh, so righty it. Yeah, OK. That's
1: interesting. Yeah.
2: And now the saddle, I said, what's wrong with the saddle? She said, nothing. I just needs new girth steps. Oh, alright. And it was, I think, 48 years old. Yeah. Her daughter rode in it. Now her granddaughter's riding in it yeah. and it's still going. Yeah. And that's just a show saddle.
1: Yeah. So another saddle uh, that you've also made was a really interesting saddle for Graham Acton, who, um, it was quite a colourful character of a saddle. It was crocodile
2: skin, was it? You'll tell us about a- that saddle exactly how that came about. <coughs> I'd made him a, a few saddles prior to that, but he was always had this... He was a, a larger than life man, as yes. everyone knows. And to me personally, he was a great fellow. I always got along good. A lot of people sort of maybe not. They didn't like him because he was a bit larger than life. And a lot of Australians get a bit put Just off didn't about know that. How to yeah, they, they, take, yeah, So yeah, you know, anyone that talks a lot and can do things, you know, they don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, it can go that way. So anyway, he always asked me about a green, because green and red are his colours. Yeah, for the... That's his, yeah. his family colours. Yeah. His father, grandfather, green and red. So he said to me every time I'd go to Paradise Lagoons, I need a green and red crocodile saddle because John Levy has got the crocodile farm and grows the, the hides in uh, Rockhampton And sends them to Milano in Italy to get tanned in any colour. Right. For women's shoes, belts, clothes, everything. Crocodile. And incidentally, I don't know whether you know, they only ever use the bellies. Okay,
1: right.
2: That's the good leather, where it runs along the sand and the mud. Yeah, right. Smooth. Softer and... But a difficult hide to work with because it's like the palm of your hand. If you close your hand... You find creases. So you got creases so the animal can flex. Uh, okay. So you got hard plates and you got soft. Yeah. So to sew through that is extremely difficult right. to get it right. Yeah.
1: So he he's had this
2: So he had this dream, this dream of
1: these quite bright coloured saddles. <laughs> so
2: he said to me, and I wind up giving in I said, all oh, right, oh, look I've got no idea how much the hides are, I'll get the hides. He said, I've already priced them. There's seventeen 17000 for the five hides to do it. Green and red. So I said, I've got no idea how I'm going to do it or how much it's going to be. He said, well, I've got every confidence in you. If anyone can do it, you're the man. Yep. So, oh, my God. I got the hides. They sent them down. And uh, I didn't know how to approach it, but... I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning out in my my room and I'd get this flash and I'd have to come into this workshop (laughs) and try it out. Yeah. Just how this is going to work. Yeah. So the hides are rolled around English leather, Sedgwick's bridal leather. That'd give it the strength and it's doubled over and sewn right around. So then they wet blocked, to have the wet block on knee pads and seats so you could shape it, they had to do a special process on it. So did wet block, So that turned out terrific. Yeah, uh, it
1: ended up being quite a beautiful saddle, yeah. So I put
2: it in the in a bag, green and red bag, and I got on the plane here and he picked me up at the airport. Oh and he was knocked out. Yeah. So no let's talk about price or anything. Stayed with him overnight, him and Jenny and had a lovely night and He had the photographer come out to his place from the courier mail or one of them and took lots of photos and he said, oh, she's a bloody ripper. So, uh, he said, after we'd finished, the biggest steak I've ever seen for breakfast. (laughs) He said, how much are you? And he got his checkbook out. Holy ghost, he said, that's all right. There you go. (laughs)
1: So um, for those who um, are for our listeners,
2: it's about thirty eight grand all up. Thirty eight grand, right. That's where they, He paid the seventeen.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the future business here, obviously, you're poking along, and you're gonna just keep doing your. Well, I had a heart things.
2: attack, as but you yes, know. You
1: did last year.
2: You this time last year, and but and... Uh, I got married. Yeah. I yeah. Married a lovely lady who would yeah. lost her husband about the time Daphne died. Yeah. So your which first which was wife fifteen was... years ago, she died.
1: Your first wife, Daphne, passed away how long ago now? 15 years. Fif- sorry, 15 years
2: ago, and she had a brain tumour, is that right? Brain tumour, yeah. 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 yeah never seen a in life and had a brain tumour, my God. Yeah. And she was
1: 63.
2: Yeah, she was young. Yeah. So, uh, but anyhow, so li- event, life goes on. Yeah, it's unfortunate. So I met bleeding. somebody, I yep. uh, never thought I would, but uh, she's a really good person. Now, i got to say that. A lot of people mightn't agree, but I think she's a good person. <laughs>
1: as, long as, it, as long as you're happy, that's, that's, the, that's the main thing. That's the main thing. You're happy, aren't you? Yeah, that's the way it's...
2: And that's good. Yeah. So, so anyhow, uh, but then we got married and went round Australia in the motor home, came back, uh, done some saddle work, and then she wanted to go... To the UK, I'd been, and I'd been a lot of travelling, in between me losing Daphne, and meeting her. I'd work out how much the saddle was, and I'd go into the girls, in town at the, the uh, tourist place.
1: Yeah.
2: I'd say how much it costs to go to the States or how much to go to China or yeah, okay. Europe, and they say, two saddles or one saddle or. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what I'd do, yeah. and I'd pay me. Why? Yeah. So, but she wanted to go. So I said, right. Yeah. I said oh, I don't feel like getting on that cattle class. No, 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 no. She said, would you go if I shouted business class? I said, when's the plane leave? <laughs> so we did. So off you went. Yeah. So and uh, oh, this I was last year, was it? Yeah. Yeah. We were there yeah. five weeks, and it rained every day, yeah. bar the day we did the Edinburgh tattoo. And I had this walking stick, because I knew there was a lot of walking up castles and that. And I was on Ventolin and, and all sorts of stuff, and and I was thinking, oh, geez. Then I convinced myself, oh, well, this this is what you get. I was 82 at the time, sir. So. And, uh, no, it must have been 80, 81 I was there, because I was turned 82, yeah. So, this is how it is. So, uh, Huffing and puffing and I got back and I'd read somewhere, if you're in bed and you think an elephant's standing on your chest, get to the emergency, you have an heart attack. Yep. And that's exactly what happened. What's happening. Because yep. Lois, straight away, she was an ex. Uh, wife. wife. your yep. yeah. And she used to be a, a nurse, at, trained at St Luke's in Sydney and was jo- Dr Bosler's nurse receptionist for 25 years. Okay. Yeah, of course, her husband had one leg and he worked hard but had a prosthesis leg, but he was a good bloke, George. Yep. So, But he died. So so anyhow, I decided, well, maybe I won't make any more. Then Kerry come along.
1: Kerry Turner. Yeah. Yep.
2: And she said, I need this saddle. Yep. <laughs> and
1: then now you have a Warwick Gold
2: yeah. saddle. So, yeah, so, and then at uh, Paradise last year, Ad Lamb, is that an old one of mine? Terry all got him yep. years ago. They love the saddle, but I oh, was getting tired looking. Yep. So uh, I said, "Right, I'll be at the motel, the cattle camp at Taroom, on the twenty-eighth of June. Yep. That's before the end of the financial year. I knew that'd fit in yep. with me in there." Yep. And I also had Chrissy Hall, uh, Janie Hall's saddle I made when she was 16 years. She wanted me to put a new seat and uh, resurge it for the kids. And then Teddy Kaminsky, Leanne, had one the same yep. that I had made for John Poplowski years ago. But uh, yeah, she wanted a seat and, and that's So I worked it that I'd do all these things and take them up, drive up in Lois's car, forget the mate home, yeah. <laughs> drive up and had a real good night, and I told them all to come in and all will out of my feed. We had a great night. Yeah, oh, excellent. So it was delivery. Yeah. That's what I try and do. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. i got this saddle to make for Richard uh, Hanson and, and another one for uh, Kerry. I rang and congratulated
1: Yeah, uh, well, Kerry Turto, the... Uh First female in about 68 years, I think it was. That's one of Warwick Gold Cup, and it was in 1951.
2: 1951, was it? And
1: And that's when I started my trade. Oh, wow. 68 years ago. Yep. So, um, yeah, so that was pretty amazing um, having Kerry a female win. That was just a nice uh, change a bit and in a yeah. Stockman's throne and there's yeah. been a few previous I know um Ben Tapp back in two thousand twelve he won he did. a Stockman's throne and I assume Terry's mine
2: familiar yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah I know that one. And um and obviously Terry's one and Ben yeah. Hall and yeah so you've had yeah. um some pretty big wins in your or yeah. people had big wins in your saddle so um, Theo Hill and Theo Hill, yeah.
2: Arthur yeah. Bowd. Yep.
1: And um and uh, Bobby Palmer had one yeah. uh, who won quite a lot over the years. So yeah, you've had uh it'd be very um a great sort of experience watching all these people compete. Gives me great pride. Pride, yeah, that's probably it the one does. I'm walking, you know that pride. that's yeah.
2: You yeah, know I'm very passionate about what I do. Yeah, it was like with the band. You know I was passionate about the music. Yeah. that everything was smooth and running good, and yeah. the person was getting the product that I'm supposed to give. That's how I feel about saddle-making. And I'm quite sure Glenn does too. Yeah. And uh, uh, I know that Glenn uh, made a beautiful Stockman's Throne saddle. Twice he's put in the Sydney, and he won too. Oh, great. Which was great. You know, it's a great...
1: it's a credit to you and a credit to Glenn. that he's doing it. Yeah, yeah, taking
2: it on board. And I, I would be... Uh, I would have liked the thought that all the boys were here, but you that's know, life. It's they got they, they got their life yeah. to live their way, yeah. not my way. Exactly. And I understand that.
1: They'll find their own passion.
2: Yeah. So, but yeah.
1: Well, I think that'll probably nearly wrap us up today. Yeah. I really appreciate your time and your stories and your knowledge, that's all right. and and um, we look
2: forward. Sorry to... about the frog and the throat, mate. Oh, that's all right.
1: <laughs> sure people
2: will deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, we appreciate your time today. I'm not trying to do a uh, Louis Armstrong impersonation. Oh, here. Right. That's how he used to <laughs> Is that to what you think? That's
1: how
2: he used to say. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, we uh,
1: look forward to many more years of out yeah. the drones
2: out there. And, yeah. And, um, yeah. So if you see my <laughs> mate home and, and purpose-built trailer... Yeah,
1: that you're going to travel around in a Yeah, we yeah. just
2: travel around we've got a, a run to do up there and up through the probably wind up at Nebo at the uh, championships at ACA and, then, finals, yep. and then down the next week is paradise, paradise yep. so yeah Be a good run. Be good.
1: okay well uh thanks for your time again thank today. you very much Kylie. We appreciate it. thank you to all our 90 or nothing podcast listeners i hope you all enjoyed today's interview with mr john davis from davis saddles uh, one thing I noticed about John, apart from him loving a good yarn and telling a few good stories, is his passion for his saddles. Um, I think that's probably why he's become such an Australian icon with his Stockman's Thrones. Um, he's really personable. He loves to make sure they're a quality product and, and um, I think that's just really shone through and as to why he's probably been so successful there And um, another thing I really enjoyed how he was an eight-year-old boy in a pretty ill-fitting saddle and read the poem about a saddle for a throne by Will Ogilvie and decided that he definitely needed a stockman's throne and um, that's how his passion and desire to build these saddles began. Uh, um, Another thing I picked up was about his family and how they not necessarily had all the same passion and ideas as he has with the saddles and um they've either gone on and done their own thing found their own passion but I guess that's probably something that happens within nearly all families and and um you just gotta find a way to deal with that and Fortunately, Glenn has a similar passion and we wish them all the best there. And if you needed to get in contact, you want to get a Davis, have the Louis Vuitton handbag of saddles, um, contact them and I'm sure they'll be very easy to deal with and they're very personable and we um, can't recommend them enough. So thank you again, John, and thank you to our listeners.